Hello, 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 you're tuned in to Grandson of a Pastor with your host, Yurik, and yes, I am truly a grandson of a pastor. And again, I'd like to thank all of my listeners uh, all over the world uh, for listening to this Grandson of a Pastor podcast. We are now in over six countries uh, streaming on the uh, iPod and your iPhones and all your different platforms for your podcast. And again, I'd like to thank all my guests and listeners for uh, tuning in to Grandson of a Pastor. Today is going to be a treat because this is the first episode that we're going to have a guest on, a brother that I've known for many, many years. He has came uh, and rescued me on many several occasions uh, when I needed to have a speaker uh, when I was doing the breakfast at my previous church, uh, the uh, men's prayer breakfast. And this brother here is very strong in the ministry. Uh, he springs from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he's got roots from my hometown down in western Kentucky. Uh, this is my brother Theron Cunningham. Uh, I'd just like to thank him again for coming on the podcast. He also come bearing gifts uh, with his shirt. He says, I am a hope dealer. And, and, and that that's, that's rings a bell to all of those uh, men and women out there that, that's, that's out there thinking about doing things and you always got to have hope uh when you out doing different uh things like this this podcast or, or you just out spreading the word of god on your job but just the message of hope and, and again i'd like to thank uh brother cunningham for coming on the podcast uh with me today and, and me and him we also go back to his uh, to his uncle uh larry uh he the one who introduced me uh to him and again i, I would be remiss if i don't say uh thanks to that brother uh, up in heaven for uh, smiling upon and putting this relationship together. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce again uh, to my listeners, Brother Theron Cunningham. Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you. Thank you, my brother, for, for the invite and for allowing me to be a part of um, this, this podcast and uh, to, uh, to discuss, man, today's topic. I am uh, a grandson of a pastor uh, myself and a third generation of preaching uh, and just excited, man, to be here today, man, to uh, just chop it up with you about what, what it is to uh, to live out this thing um, as, as believers, but also uh, as men who lead our families, man, and work in the church and uh, in the community and to, uh, to try to further the kingdom. So, man, it's exciting, man, to be here. I'm glad to have you again. This is Brother Theron Cunningham, reigning from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, you can find him also on all your different uh, live streaming podcasts and, and Facebook because I, I, he does a Facebook Live every Sunday. He also drops many things throughout the week because he dropped one this morning uh, regarding mass. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can always check out Brother Theron Cunningham on his Facebook Live. And if you missed anything on this thing, you, as you can always know that with Facebook, you can always draw back and look, listen to him on a daily basis. But again, but Brother Theron Cunningham, we got you on here. Uh, we had a guest, I mean a listener, who emailed, uh, excuse me, mailed in a suggestion talking about the generational gaps in our churches and how uh, we have that gap uh, between our baby boomers and our Generation X and our millennials. And it's, it's like a, a gap that's widening. I know with the uh, coronavirus, things are a little, sh a little shaking up here at the churches. 
Uh, but it's going to be a time that we're going to somehow get back to some sense of normalcy uh, in our in our world. And uh, we just want to see how you how you plan on bridging the generational gap at your church and also bridging the generational gap around the world. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, a, a topic that, huh, man, is not a there's not an easy answer to it. Uh, but but uh, that's certainly certainly something that that all churches um, are, ha- are having to uh, really to strategize and to plan around. Uh, I, at our particular church, C3, Connecting Christian Church, we are about five years into existence. Um, started out in, in, in my living room, um, just, just praying and asking for God's guidance on how we ought to move forward. Uh, and in those prayers, man, one of the things that we talked about was how can we be a church that uh, engages uh, all generations, all cultures, uh, all demographics of people, uh, and not saying that it was our desire to have um, one of every you know culture demographic that you can that you can think of, but the thought process was to be a place that people feel welcome to connect with, um, and we wanted to position ourselves in a place that uh, you could easily find yourself comfortable amongst us. Not so much that you'll find yourself easily uh, comfortable in a Bible study, because that could be challenging to many people because they, you know, they don't, they may not uh, have studied the Bible or know about the Bible. And so um, they might not necessarily be comfortable in a Bible study. Even uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, one may not feel comfortable coming to a Sunday morning gathering. What one may be comfortable doing is sitting in with a friend at an event. Um, joining a friend in something that their friend does and they are accompanied with someone that they are comfortable with already and they're joining them and they feel safe to be where they are. And so one of the things that we try to institute is hand-in-hand connection. Uh, And when you're talking about a generational, how do we close the generational gap, uh, it would be uh, like a string of people holding hands, older to younger, uh, that you would have a 60-year-old holding hands with a 50-year-old, and a 50-year-old holding hands with a 40-year-old, 40-year-old holding hands with a 30-year-old. And and we somehow in that line uh, try to make a circle uh, and interchange those spots where people begin to feel comfortable with one another uh, and they're able to be in the same spaces. Uh, I think one of our challenges uh, with the church is that rather than conversion, uh, we want assimilation. We want people to look the same, act the same, want people to talk the same. uh, And that uh, is a challenge uh, that uh, you just can't meet. People have to be who they are and they come to God in Christ in their own way, in their own journey. So, uh, you know, uh, so today's church is challenged to uh, ask itself what traditions and liturgies uh, are we going to hold on to? Uh, but then also uh, challenge within themselves to ask which ones are we willing to let go uh, in order for us to be able to engage uh, all people um, who are not seeking the church per se, but are seeking Christ and who are seeking relationship with God. Um, so, you know, that I, I ain't got the silver bullet. Uh, uh, we out here trying and uh, we, we're, we're trying to uh, uh, trying to make well with what God has given us. So on, on, on in your journey on this on this generational gap, and I know you have said some things about technology, uh, how technology in the live streaming platform, because like I said, it, on the previous episode, we t- I talked to a previous pastor, and, and he was talking about how uh, the microwave has 
evolutionized the church in, in meaning that people of, of the millennial and the age 40s and in the 30s, uh, we want instantaneous uh, gratification when you hear a message. And now because of the technology we got, you can easily turn on a message. And if that message doesn't move you, uh, you can easily turn it off and go to a new uh, message or a live stream. And, and you can do that all over uh, the world until you find that particular message or messenger that moves you. And, and how how do you feel that churches are going to have to adapt uh, to this new normal and and, and bridging this gap and, and actually just really bringing believers uh, back into the church fold, uh, per se, in the building itself, but also just just, just knowing God and, and all the power that he possesses. Yeah, so so I, one of the things I would answer is that, um, especially if you're talking about the traditional model or how we have viewed church for so long. Correct. Um, you know, one of the things I told told our congregation, uh, and we're not a big congregation at all, so, so understand uh, we're able to easily have some of these conversations uh, outside of some, some, some challenges that larger churches would have. But but one of the things that, that um, I said to our congregation was that, you know, we have to be willing uh, to to change. Um, uh, we have to be willing to let go of some things in order for us uh, to to grow. Uh, technology, I mean, number one, uh, technology has to be viewed. It's not an enemy. Uh, technology is not something that, is, that, that, sh- that should be viewed as a means in which uh, Satan is trying to draw people away from the church and uh, is trying to destroy the church. Uh, Colossians 3 uh, talks about um, all things coming under the power of God uh, and fulfilling its original purpose. Uh, And all things have been uh, created by God and have been created through Christ for the glory of God. Technology falls under that, right? A creation uh, of the creator uh, innovated technology. And so we must embrace it. We must see it as a means in which we can reach um, unbelievers. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things that when we look at technology and when we look at the church, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we trying to engage the unbelieving world that has not had a conversation with Jesus about relationship, have not confessed and claimed him as their savior, or are we trying to get people in the building so that they can continue to have discussions about a Jesus that many of them have already confessed? And so, so, so... You know, that's two different means in which you function in church. Are you are you looking to fill the building with people who already know about Jesus and you're hoping to grow their relationship with Jesus um, and they know about the facility and the church and liturgies and traditions uh, and you're trying to function with that? Or are you trying to reach people who know nothing about the church, who know very little about Jesus, which is a hard notion for many of us in America to think many of us in in America who have been, you know, really challenged with westernized uh, Christianity, we have a notion uh, that everybody in America knows who Jesus is, wants to be with Jesus, wants to be a Christian, wants to follow him, has no uh, uh, problem with Jesus, and they want to be with him. And, and we're trying to, we're kind of tripping out that uh, uh, we don't have many people knocking on the door, beating out the door, trying to get in with Jesus because we're thinking like everybody wants him. And in reality, man, there are so many people uh, who don't have relationship with Christ, who don't have knowledge of him. And I believe that this COVID-19 pandemic 
has given the church an opportunity to reach people mm-hmm. that one it ignored, two that it has has really outcast, and then three uh, those who were really not looking to be a part of the church. And so the virtual worship going out through uh, Facebook and the other platforms have given the church an opportunity uh, to reach out and to touch people uh, in a way that it previously could not. Um, It has given us audience uh, with people uh, who uh, generally would not Mm -hmm. um, uh, give the church an opportunity. Uh, And I say this on the the end of that is uh, that... uh, Virtual worship and change in the last 25 years, uh, specifically if you want to talk about the black traditional, uh, the traditional black church and, and, and our charismatic in the way um, that we hold church, uh, contemporary uh, evangelical uh, congregations, uh, more white European uh, congregations. I'm telling you, one of the things that we've been challenged on uh, is style. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you said that, man, there are many people who have not been uh you know who have not sat under years of certain styles of preaching and so when they click on to a demographic that looks like them they find that they cannot connect because the preacher or the church leader is delivering a message in a style that those who are already there are used to and so Mm -hmm. they're kind of like you know, it's kind of you know, it's kind of like being introduced to uh, to a certain type of music, man. Like I'm I'm an '80s dude when it comes to to rap, All right. and for me to listen to mumble rap now, I'm like, dude, I can't get it. Like yeah. it's it's not. <laughs> I want some bars, right? I need so I need you to rhyme at the end of your verse. Correct. And and so when 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 you are now uh, thrust into uh, an atmosphere that we're not used to, though we're looking for it, mm-hmm. we don't have the appetite for it, and so now we're searching. And so uh, the church has to be uh, flexible in how it delivers and how uh, it sees uh, the style in which that it delivers the message of the gospel. Because there are people who are literally looking for a style that fits them. Um, And there's, you know, you think about it when you look at TV, when you look at podcast interviewers, very few podcast interviewers sound like a pastor on Sunday morning. Correct. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you listen to podcasts all the time, yes. and then you go to a, you know, a certain style of preaching, you're like, I, I just, I don't know how to listen to that. So, we're challenged in our style and our delivery. Gotcha. And uh, also on this generational gap, I, I know that, that the gap is growing. And, and my father, I talked to him uh, this week regarding this uh, COVID-19, and, and he is in absolutely no rush to rush back in uh into the church walls uh and how how you think uh that a traditional christian or a traditional churchgoer uh is going to have to deal uh with the different restrictions because i know when i talked uh, saw you this morning you were talking about mass and, and just tell me how you view the restrictions and, and and how we're going to actually get back to a new normal uh, at, at our churches, not only through technology, but in uh, in our, our physical churches. Yeah, uh, there's going to have to be again. This, now this goes back to uh, uh, style. It has to go back to to wisdom. It has to go back to leadership. Um, you know, we as pastors are going to have to uh, be wise in areas that we've never been challenged to be wise in. Mm-hmm. Strategize in ways that we've never uh, been challenged to strategize in. Uh, definitely here in America. And I'm going to say that again. Uh, there are other countries that have had to deal with 
you know, major medical issues or, or have had to deal with outbreaks and pandemics. And, and, and they uh, understood uh, what distancing looked like. They, they understood. If you've asked people who've gone on the mission field uh, and they've gone into areas and part of what they're doing in the spread of the gospel is to take medical treatment into villages or to countries or to places in the, in the world uh, that don't have the common uh, medical uh, uh, resources that we have here in America. Correct. You go in and you are trained that there are certain ways that you go into a particular city, a village or a section, because if you if you're not careful, you can contract various diseases. Correct. And so how you worship. Mm -hmm. You don't go and build a big church with seats that are real close to each other uh, because the person that is next to this person could cause an outbreak uh, in this in this church. And so so we're going to have to be wise in areas that we've never been asked to. Uh, we're going to have to have uh, personal protective equipment. You know, you're going to have to have uh, and I was talking to a pastor or listening to a pastor uh, discuss the other day some of their plans, um, how they're going to have uh, hand sanitizing stations. Uh, in the sanctuary, uh, you, they're going to ask people to to wear masks. They're going to literally measure how far the praise team is from the first row. Um, the the pulpit, the lectern, is from from the first row uh, because your your process is the fact that um, you know there's a lot of people who talk about that they're not going to uh, adhere to certain things because of faith. Yes. Uh, they believe that Jesus is going to, to take care of them. Yes. But but it amazes me that all those people probably have an insurance card. They probably have Medi uh, Medicaid or Medicare or they have a passport card. How many how many pastors go to the doctor uh, and, and check the doctor? How many pastors do we know? Uh, you, you, you're going to listen to the doctor. If you're an African-American man, you better listen to the doctor when he talks to you about high blood pressure, Correct. when he talks to you about prostate cancer, when oh, he talks yeah. to you about diabetes. You better listen to the doctor because you can die in the pulpit if you don't listen to the doctor on these medical issues. Uh, so we, we're not blind to faith on certain things. But the question is, why are we blind to faith when it says, hey, we got to listen to a medical medical research and medical resources when it talks about the gathering, when it talks about coming in on Sunday morning? Uh, we're going to have to let go of some some sacred cows. Uh, you know, one of the pastors I was listening to. Uh, he said, man, he's talking to his congregation about uh, if I think they seat maybe one to two hundred on a Sunday morning. So he said, man, we may have to. He, I mean, this is some drastic stuff, man. He said we may have to have uh, uh, a like a like a lottery or or a A to A to K come to church on first Sunday. And cater, you know, whatever, you know, come to church on the second Sunday and uh, opposed to because he's saying I have an older membership. Uh, he's not, you know, uh, as young as he was. Correct. And so he's saying rather than having three to four worships on one Sunday, uh, the other members can, can stay connected through the virtual uh, and then um, the, uh, the, the people who are physically there, they worship and then vice versa. Like you rotate that out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's going to be vastly different. Correct. Correct. Uh, but here's my deal. Okay. What, what if we look to use this new form of challenge? Uh, how many churches right now are inviting people to come and watch church from the church parking lot in their car on the, on the, on the jumbo screen? How many of us are going to forsake that when they say we can come back into worship? 
why would we not continue that, right? Why would we not offer, you know, uh, half of our membership to stay in your car and view the view the morning worship from your car? Because we have that technology now. Absolutely, we were forced to have that technology. Um, uh, would 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 we be upset if the same hundred that were in the building on Sunday morning? What if your data shows that that same hundred is connecting with the live? Uh, and still have a passion to serve uh, the mission of the church. Would you, as a pastor, be cool with that, um, or would you say, "Hey, you're, you're gonna you, your faithfulness to the church uh, is tied to your 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 you know that those physical cushions, being physical being in the sanctuary? Yeah, that's going to be a challenge that we're going to have to walk through. Uh, I know I have my answers on that. But, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 you know, if you if you if hey man, listen. I think the church should be wrapped around the mission of the, the church and your commitment um, is through your commitment to Christ. Mm. And then when it comes to the local church, it, it should be uh, a part of what you believe you've been led that the mission and vision of that particular local church is for the community in which it's been set. Correct. And so if you have a communal, a community mission and vision mm -hmm. for that, that the membership can carry out, yo, they can carry that out being connected on virtual and then you coming back together to strategize and plan how you can be a part of the community mission and vision. Uh, you don't have to have Sunday morning uh, uh, seats in the pews in order for you to fulfill your mission, your community mission as a church. That's, that's my perspective. Yeah, and I'm a grandson of a pastor. As, as we say, this is going to be an open uh, format. And, and as I said, when I started the podcast, some views and some views of guests that come on, you may agree with and you may not agree with. But uh, this is a podcast that we're going to debate. Uh, we're not going to argue. So if you disagree with Brother Cuttingham, that, that's okay with Brother Cuttingham. It's okay it uh, with me as well, being a grandson of a pastor. But as as Christians and as believers, we got to have the conversation. And that's, and that's what this podcast is all about, is just basically having the conversation. Because the foundation of this podcast is imperfect souls on an imperfect walk, influenced none other by our parents and family, our, our technology politicians, politics, and more importantly, our religious beliefs. And, and as we talked to Brother Cunningham, we're talking about the generational gaps. He is giving us knowledge on how we're going to have to actually view the church and some changes and some slight changes that we're going to have to do. And the leaders are going to have to change as well because uh, if you're thinking that your church is going to, when they open up the gates and it's going to be full, that's not going to happen because, like I said, my father uh, is an avid, avid, avid churchgoer. He has been all his all his life, and he is no, in no rush on getting back in those pews, even though uh, they're going to allow people and, and members to actually come back into the church. Be before we let Brother Cunningham go, I know we talked about his mission on this being a hope dealer, but I also want you to want Brother Cunningham to talk about his church, how he can be reached, and his mission uh, for this uh, hope dealer. Because I, I definitely am very intrigued by his his willingness to go out in the streets and talk to unbelievers because my belief is if you really uh, want to fulfill the 
gospel and the belief of Jesus Christ, you got to go out and reach those who haven't been reached and reach those who are in a midst of a storm. Because if you continue to just do the same thing, you're going to have the same members and those members are eventually going to pass away. So, brother, can I give us a way that that our uh, listeners can connect with you on a, on a regular basis mm-hmm. and also talk about your Hope Dealer uh Mission. No doubt, man. Appreciate it. Uh, so, so I am honored to be the pastor of Connecting Christian Church. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook primarily uh, on our Facebook Facebook page. It's uh, the letter C, the number three dash Connecting Christian Church. Uh, if you want to, uh, uh, if you can't find us that way, if you have trouble finding us that way, you can uh, find me. Theron Cunningham, T-H-E-R-R-O-N, Cunningham on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, click and follow and, and we will uh, be linked up, uh, become friends, and uh, you, will, you will see some of the passions that I have. Uh, you know, the Connecting Christian Church is, is uh, uh, the beginning of a, of, a, of a mission that I believe God has sent us on. It's been the most challenging mission I've been <laughs> in my life. Uh, it has split me in, in ways and have humbled me in ways that I never thought that I could. Uh, I thought that uh, I would I would develop into, excuse me, a pretty good leader. Uh, uh, starting a church uh, from the, from scratch lets you know uh, in the areas that you are strong, and then lets you know the areas that you're not. Uh, but I, I am certainly honored, man, to to pastor the people that God has sent me because um, he has, he has uh, certainly shown his power, grace, and mercy, life transformation. Uh, touch uh, in the lives of the people that uh, that I've I've been able to pastor over the last five years, and um, God has been been awesome. Uh, the Hope Dealer movement, Hope Dealer movement, and you can find us on hopedealer54.com, hopedealer54.com. Um, the Hope Dealer movement is birthed out of uh, an opportunity that that God opened up for a small group of us to go to the waterfront of our city. Uh, we have a beautiful waterfront here in Louisville. Uh, there's a there's a restaurant called Joe's Crab Shack. Uh, and beside, kind of if you go about, about 100 feet away from Joe's Crab Shack, there's some some very large steps that lead down to, uh, to the river, to the Ohio River. And on that platform, we partnered with Fellowship with Christ Ministries uh, for about four years. Uh, and their main passion and, and heartbeat was to serve the homeless of the city. And we would have sometimes, man, 100 to 200 people that we would serve breakfast. And then God uh, opened up a door where I was able to preach a message uh, on those Sunday mornings. So we would serve breakfast from like 8 to 830. Uh, Then I would deliver a message from like 830 uh, to 9 o'clock. And um, the Lord did some tremendous things. What what, what, What happened, man, I came across the phrase Hope Dilla. Did some design, uh, kind of did the Run DMC uh, looking logo, right. uh, and created the the the, the design. And uh, uh, man, we began to wear it as a means of showing of having a visual message to the people that we were serving. We found out that we could serve breakfast, but many times we were not able to have those personal conversations. And we wanted people to 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 have a, a message that they could take with them. Uh, and so uh, what happened is that we began to wear the shirts, uh, telling people that we were hope dealers, that in no matter what situation you're in, uh, there is hope. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I have a plan for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you. Uh, and he says, I have a hope for your 
a future, a good hope for your future. And so we were hope dealers hoping to take the opportunity to tell people that even though you're down, that does not mean that is God's plan for you uh, forever. You do not have to stay this way. And we have hope that you will you will bounce back. And man, I'm telling you, one of the most pivotal uh, moments, uh, there was a brother that was serving with us at the church. Um, we were standing together. Uh, then another uh, a brother that we were serving who was uh, part of the uh, a homeless uh, community that was coming. Uh, and he and, and the brother with the church gave his testimony that he used to be a drug dealer. He said, man, I, he said, I sold a whole lot of drugs in this city. And that brother, man, he was talking to, he said, man, I probably was one of your customers. He said, because I've used a whole lot of drugs mm -hmm. in my life. He said, but I'm, I'm, I'm five years. He said, I was going on, I think he was going on like, uh, five years clean. Mm -hmm. And and at, at the end of the conversation, he said, man, I used to hang out with dope dealers. He said, but now I hang out with hope dealers. <laughs> and and that, was, that was pivotal to me um, because he recognized what we were trying to portray. We were trying to say with our t-shirts, um, uh, the message, man, that Christ literally has the power to take you from where you are. When Jesus says in John 3 that I'm the light of the world, yes. um, he literally was saying, I'm able to not only pull you out of the darkness, but cast a light that will shed the darkness away from you. Um, and so, uh, so now it's managed to just develop because a lot of people from the church started wearing their shirts okay. to work, start wearing them outside. And people was like, I want one. And, and it turned into a brand. We have five schools here in the city. Uh, that have, uh, when school was in session, uh, five schools that have Hope Days, where the faculty and staff have purchased shirts, uh, and they um, and they wear those shirts on, on Fridays uh, to create an atmosphere of hope within the school. Um, and we are looking, man, to to uh, to spread out and and have hope, man, spread all over all over the city. So hopedealer54man.com. If you want to join the hope team, we can get you a, a shirt. I tell people all the time, you you order the shirt, we ship it the same day because we want you to be a part of our hope team. Again, I'd like to thank Brother Cunningham for sharing with us that today on the grandson of a pot of a grandson of a pastor podcast. Again, you can send your suggestions to my email at edware2020 at gmail.com or also you can mail uh, your suggestions to P.O. Box 34153, Louisville, Kentucky, 40232. Again, this is Yurik grandson of a pastor host again i like to thank brother cunningham and yes i am truly a grandson of a pastor and, and again we're going to have brother cunningham come on uh more often and, and talk about his different missions that he's doing all over the city we hope that you listen to uh what he's talking about with the hope dealer as you, we go on his website and, and and financially support him and his causes because the hope is always a a means of giving somebody the opportunity. And again, you're listening to Grandson of a Pastor with your host, Yurik. And again, thank you to all my listeners of the podcast. And we will be back to you again soon. Thanks. Oh my God.